0: Good morning again. We are so glad that you're here. I love that video and I love that song. Love that video and I love that song. And I love the fact that we serve a sovereign God. Now you stop and think for a moment. You know, sovereignty is one of those things we we um, we believe and it's out there somewhere. But personally, it's coming home to me in my, in my little bit later years that God is in control. And He is. And, and nothing's going to sneak up on him. Nothing's going to catch him by surprise. And it's not about, I love that, you know, things like chance and circumstance, they really don't matter. They really don't. They really don't. And, you know, and, and luck. You know, we, we think about luck, luck, good luck, bad luck. then heavy, bad luck. I'd have no luck at all. And I'm so glad to be able to stand before you as a pastor, as a teacher of the Word of God, and let you know that it's really not, there's no such thing as luck, okay? Luck is like a false God. Okay? You know, if you have an idol sitting at home or, or, or something that you, you worship, those aren't really gods. They're God wannabes. And um, I guess you could say that luck is a sovereignty wannabe. You know, there is no such thing as luck. Um, God is in control and God is in, in charge. And so we are talking about the series Luck Commander and the idea that, that we don't depend on luck, that we have something greater than luck. We have a great commander, Jesus Christ, and he is sovereign and working our lives. And when we really start believing that, and that includes our, our young students, it means our young parents as they're raising their children, the those of us who are in our middle and, and toward the end of middle time and later years. all of, if you start believing that and, and understanding that, it's really a game changer for our lives. So today, uh, we want to take a look at a, at a uh, guy named David. And how God worked out and planned out in his life. Now, we start out this thing with, with Psalm thirty-seven, twenty-three, and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he, God, delights in his way. And even if he fall, I thought that was an important part because I had the tendency of falling a lot. Even if he fall, he will not be utterly cast down because he, God, upholds him with a strong arm. And that is just a... But if you need a life first, that would be a humdinger of a life first to grab onto. We started there, and then we went to Abraham last week, and how he was such a pagan. I mean, he really was just a pagan, and yet God said, "God said, I will, I will make you, I will bless you, um, I'll let you be a blessing to other people." I mean, and that's what He does with us. He makes us. He makes us. He, you know, He told Peter and the guys, "I'll make you fisher of men." And God wants to mold and make and shape your life even today. Now, we talked a little bit, into, I said, this really ties into our lesson this morning from here by our science school class. The more we learn, now listen carefully, I'm fixing to say something important. Not because I said it, because it's true. <clears throat> the more we recognize the actions of God, no matter how small or how big, in our lives, the more we we'll begin to understand and trust the sovereignty of God. The more we recognize the acts of God in our life, no matter how big or how small in our lives, the more we'll understand and appreciate and trust God and the sovereignty of God. Of God. Very, very, very important. So so today, let's look at David. And we want to kind of start out talking about Let me, am going to get my notes because I don't want to trust myself. Yeah, Morgan, Vanderbilt, Ford, and Rockefeller. Um, There's a series on the History Channel about these four guys who basically built America. Um, at one time, they had more money than the United States had. It's incredible. But here's what's funny about these four guys. Not one of them was born into wealth. Every one of them was either penniless or virtually penniless, and they had a vision, they had a dream, they had a passion, and they turned that into vast amounts of wealth. And so much, truly, these four guys, to a large degree, did build the financial part of America. In fact, I love Henry Ford. Henry Ford didn't even have a sixth grade education. You know, the guy who invented Ford, you know, Ford, the multi, and all that, he didn't have a sixth grade education, and yet... And by the way, he never really was respected as an intellect. He just was a guy who had a dream and a vision and worked that out. And these guys built America. But here's the crazy part. They they share a couple of things. First off this, they're all dead. Secondly, is their plans and their dreams really... Kind of have stopped now. No, I know there's still Ford Motor Cars. I know Vanderbilt's name's don't around. I know Rockefeller's name's don't around. But the bottom line is, if all you have here is that wealth and that vision, it stops. It may carry on. Your name may carry on. Let's be honest. In 200 years, no one's going to know the name of Dwayne Taylor or your name, most likely, unless something incredible happens in your life. It stops. And, and you know, here's here's a verse I really thought was powerful. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I mean, these guys had incredible wealth. But without Jesus Christ, they totally lost it. They totally lost it. And then there's a guy like D.L. Moody. Now, some of you know D.L. Moody. Some of y'all, I know the, uh, the Valentine's Love, Moody Radio. I go up there every year for a Bible conference at Moody Bible Institute. You know, D.L. Moody was a shoe salesman. And I don't know the story well enough to share a lot of details, so excuse my vagueness on purpose this morning. But the bottom line was, he's a shoe salesman, could barely read or write, and a guy goes to share Christ with him with intention. Didn't know whether he should go during business hours or after business hours, didn't want to embarrass him. Bottom line is, D.L. Moody becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. And he did something really crazy. You know what he did? He just believed, he just sold out heart, soul, and mind to Jesus Christ. And God began to use him in just incredible ways. And by the way, for you badness who really have a problem, you know, he never quit smoking cigars. What? You can do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't suggest it. Don't endorse it, but hey, you know, if I show up with a cigar, there's probably a deacon's being after church. <laughs> you know, And rightfully so, maybe I don't know. But anyway, so God used him in tremendous, tremendous ways. Just amazing ways. And it's all because of his sellout to Jesus Christ. It's all because he was willing to trust the sovereignty of Almighty God. And then, the legacy of D.L. Moody is going to go far beyond this world and is already carried over into the next world because he believed God. So here's my thought today. No matter how old or how young you are, no matter how gifted or talented you think you might or might not be, that God has a... I'm going to say it again... God has this incredible plan in his sovereignty for your life. And the greatest and biggest thing we can do is seek to discover God in your sovereignty. What do you want my life to look like? And that's really what we're going to talk about over these weeks in different person's lives. God, how do you want that to plan out? And sometimes that's really incredible and cool. And sometimes just, well, it's just difficult. So we've got this guy named David. And I know there's some people here today. And you come from a uh, terrible um, family tree so the first point on the sermon sheet is a gnarly tree now do we have that that picture there nance there you go some of you go what in the world does gnarly mean okay well let me just tell you a little bit story we got lots of time today so so here's the deal waiting for the rain to stop so here's the deal so i knew the word gnarly there's some words that i know and i don't know why i know them well this is one of those words that i don't know why i know it So I thought about the word gnarly for the sermon point. And so I had to, you know, it doesn't sound like it's spelled. And so I said, I know Vicki Blackman. She's the financial person. So she is really smart. So I leave my office and I go over to see Vicki. And I say, Vicki, how do you spell gnarly? Well, she kind of thought like me, like... N U R, you know something, and I've already done the I've done the word search thing and word, and I even looked in the dictionary. Mm, no, and so Sandy was listening, and she goes, "Well, well, she typed in the in the word and put a K in front of it, and something like it popped up. Okay, and then we got enough of it to found that it's K N U R L Y. So my wife says to me after I tell her this, I said, we, you know, "We're going to use the word gnarly." She, I said, we looked at the word gnarly. She goes, I hope you're not going to use it because no know what it means. I said, dude, that's why we want to use it. What better way to appear intelligent than use a word that no one knows? So the word gnarly is used like a gnarly tree is knotted and twisted. Okay, so write that down. You're like a Bill O'Reilly now. You go to work and go, that's one gnarly tree. And that person's going to go, you know what gnarly means? You must be really smart, okay? So that's your take home today. Gnarly means not and twisted. And some of you guys have really knotted, gnarly family trees. You've got, you don't have a black sheep. You've got a flock of black sheep. And in your mind, you're going, God can never use me because of my background. My background. Um, some of you come from, from uh, areas of, of the country, in the big city, inner city, and you, know, you didn't get a good foundation. And you're going, God could never use me. Some of you guys come from families with, with moms and dads who are alcoholics or abusive or in jail. God could never use me. Some of you guys come from broken families. God could never use And on and on it would go. But here's the crazy part. Did you know God's sovereignty and God's purpose and God's will is bigger than gnarly trees? In fact, David is a perfect example of that. In fact, the whole word of God is like that. I, I chose Matthew. We could have gone to other places. But I chose Matthew to get the genealogy of who? Jesus. Okay? Now, if anyone should have a really good family tree, it would be Jesus, right? Well, look what we mean in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. I love this. I mean, I really do. I think it's really incredible. The Bible says there the historical record of Jesus, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Well, we already know that that you know David, we know King David. Well, we know that's really boy, that's good. And then we got Abraham. Yeah, he was a pagan, but but God chose him, and God's going to use him to bless all the families in the world. So that really looks really good until you start looking at who's in the family tree. For instance, in verse two, Abraham. Now that's Paul's there. Remember, Abraham was what? A pagan. Say pagan. He was a pagan. He didn't didn't know how to spell God. Okay? He was just a a pagan, a multi-God worshiper. And by grace, God chose him. And because he believed God, God counted it as righteousness for him. Just like that's the way it is with us. When we believe God, he counts it to us. As righteousness, so so we had this back. And by the way, you ladies will love this. Abraham's the guy who said, "Now, when we get down to Egypt, just tell them you're my sister, so uh, you know things will go well for me." How would you like to have a husband like that? And some of you say, "I do," and that's the problem. We'll preach about that another time. So so Abraham fathered Isaac. Okay, that's not too bad. And then Isaac fathered Jacob. Now Jacob was the great deceiver. The boy had a lying tongue. He would lie and twist things around all the time. So here we have a liar in the family tree and Jacob, fathered Judah. Now, Judah was one of the 12 sons of, of Jacob, okay? But Judah was not the good guy. I mean, Joseph, if you're going to pick one, Joseph was one of the guys that you'd go, yeah, Joseph. No, God didn't choose Joseph. He chooses Judah. Let me tell you the character of Judah. So they didn't like Joseph because he was daddy's boy. And so they, they, he's coming, and the, and the 11 brothers put him in a well, and then they go sit there and eat lunch. And so they're trying to decide what they're going to do with Joseph. They thought maybe they'd leave him there and let him die. So Judah, the guy in the family tree of Jesus, Judah goes something like this while he's chewing his chicken. He goes, he looked over there, and there's a caravan going there. And he goes, hey, guys, why should we kill him and have his blood on our hands? Why don't we just sell our brother into slavery? Now, isn't that a man of great character? Come on, ain't that a man of great character? Isn't that crazy? So that's what they do. They sell Joseph into slavery, and then they continue eating their chicken. And then they go home and lie about it and tell daddy, hey, daddy, uh, your Joseph, your favorite boy, got ate by a wild animal. How crazy is it? But we find this guy in the family tree, the gnarly tree, of Jesus. It gets better. Then Judah, Father Perez, and Zerah by Tamar. I don't have time to the story, nor in this audience probably should I. But the bottom line is Tamar prostate, prostituted herself to her father-in-law, Judah, because she needed to have sons. So she dressed up like a prostitute. And Judah comes by and says, oh, look, there's a prostitute. And works a deal. So there's a pr- pr- prostitute wannabe. And a guy who wasn't faithful to, to the customs there in the lineage of Jesus. It goes on, gets better. Now Perez father Hirzon and Hirzon father Aram, and Aram father uh, Amminadab, Amin- and Amminadab father Nashon, and Nashon father Salmon. Let's just stop there. You know what? You know what? Amminadab and Nashon are famous for. They were evil. Evil. So so we have in this family now, we've got going, we've got a pagan, we've got a deceiver, we've got a wimp got in Judah, we've got Tamar who prostituted herself, herself with a good intent, but still did, and then we've got a, a Menadab and Nashon, who are just evil. It gets better. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. you ever mean about Rahab? Oh, yeah, she didn't, she didn't just uh, prostitute herself. She was a prostitute. Everybody knew where Rahab lived. She had a little light hanging outside her porch. It's in the lineage of Jesus. Are you feeling better yet? Do all of a sudden your relatives look just a little bit better? Are you saying just maybe God could use me in spite of my upbringing, my family tree? It gets a little bit better. Rahab, uh, uh, Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab and Rahab fathered Obed by Ruth. And you love this one, David. Ruth was a Moabitess. She wasn't even the family of God. She was a foreigner. And guess what? By grace, she ends up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Come on now, y'all. This has got to be a little bit cool to you. It's got to be just a little bit cool. So, So Simon, Father Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, Father Obed by Ruth... And and Obad Father Jesse and Jesse fathered King David. The, the most famous king of all of Israel was fathered and has this lineage like Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question. What makes you think God can't use you? What makes you think that you are somehow scarred by your heritage? Seeing the sovereignty of God. God is in control and he's never been bound by circumstances. He's never been bound by chance and he's never been bound by lineages. All he's waiting is for people who know him to say, I believe you, God. I believe you, God. I believe you are in control and in charge. And it really doesn't matter what my family tree looks like. So, so from that lineage, David is born. And we have now, we're going to move over to 1 Samuel 16 and verses 6 through 13. Now, let me give you a little bit of background information. So Saul, who was the first king okay, of, of Israel, Saul has messed up royally. And, and God finally says, that's it. I'm done. You're going to be stepping down as king. I'm going to find someone else who will follow me. And that someone else we're going to find out is David. So the story goes like this. Samuel sent to anoint the new king of Israel. He goes to Jesse's house, to Jesse's village and with Jesse, and they're going to anoint a new king. And Jesse's got all these boys. So the Bible says in, in verse number 6, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly the Lord's anointed one is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his statue, because I have rejected him. Man does not see, see what the Lord sees, for man sees what is visible, but God sees the heart. So, let me help you. So, Samuel shows up and said, hey, Jesse, you got some boys? Yeah, I got some boys. How about have them pass before me? And so, the oldest, Eliab, is first. And dude, listen to me. He looks kingly. He's got broad shoulders. He's tall, just like the other king, Saul. He had all the physical attributes, and Samuel naturally assumed that he would be the king. And God said, Samuel, time out. I don't look how I'm so glad for this. I don't look how tall a person is, because I'm not. <laughs> That's why I like this part. <laughs> if you've ever been height challenged, you appreciate verses like this. I, I'm not impressed with how tall he is. I'm not impressed how broad his shoulders. You see, You see, Samuel, I look beyond the physical to the heart. See, they already, did the, they already did the tall thing one time. In 1 Samuel 9 2, talking about Saul, it says this He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man. There was no one more impressive among the Israelites than he. He should a had taller than anyone else. So we look sometimes and we see people who are um, very talented, we see them very gifted. We see them very handsome, we see them very charismatic, and we just assume that they are the people that God's going to use. Meaning that those of us who are not charismatic, who are not tall, who are not handsome, who are not well gifted in speaking, that God could never use. I want to look in the eye and tell you something. God wants to use you today. I probably need to pause because I just know someone's out there going, I told you, Dwayne, I'm not interested in going to Africa, and I don't want to be a preacher. That is so not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I really believe, Lane, I honestly believe that God has a gift and a plan for your life. I believe this. I I believe that that God has something He wants to do in your life today. I'm not talking about full-time vocational service. I'm talking about the, the wonder of discovering God's purpose, why he puts you here. And then watching as he fulfills that out, not, not just on Sundays and not just on holidays, but every day as you learn to see the sovereignty of God at work in your life. So, so Eliab, you know, Eliab you know, shows up and Samuel looks, got to be the one, got to be one. God says, no, 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 you don't understand. I look at the heart. Now, let me throw an illustration out for, for the younger ones of us. How many all like the new superheroes? Nobody? No? Yeah, come on. Captain America? Yeah. Hurrahs, right, dude. Now, if you don't know strike Captain America, it goes something like this. This during World War II, and this little dude, I mean, he is like a wimp, okay? He wants to serve his country. And every time, 4F, 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 4F. And finally they have a secret program. And they're going to develop a super soldier. And this guy sees this little wimpy guy and chooses him because he sees something in there. He was in a fight and they knocked him down. He got up. Knocked him down. He got up. Knocked him down. down, How many times did he do that, David? Just over and over again. He saw something bigger than skin and bones. He saw a heart and a passion. And he was chosen. And he became Captain America. I can tell you, all aren't impressed. Well, anyway, for those of you who know the superhero stories, that's kind of this. Eliab, see, all the other candidates were big and muscular. They were rejected because they didn't have the heart. So let's move on. So Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. And the Lord hasn't chosen this one either, you know. So dad's going... Eliab is out and the stock gets weaker as it goes. Eliab is out. Abinadab, okay, he's out. Then Jesse presented uh, Shama, But Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chose this one either. And then Jesse presented seven of his sons to him. And Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Now, a couple of things going on. Jesse's going, I'm about out. And Samuel's going, what was that address again? I must have the wrong address because this isn't working out. But then it happens. Then it happens. The Bible says in verse 11, Samuel asked him, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, he answered. But right now, he's tending the sheep. And Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down to eat until he gets here. Now, I love the old, I think it's the old King James that says he is the runt. And that is a very good translation of the Hebrew word. Seriously. He was the smallest. He was the runt of the family. The Hebrew carries the idea of worthless, not worthy. Ever feel that way? You ever feel like you're the runt of God's family? That God could never use you in some big way? Because of your checkered past, you feel sometimes you're not worthy. You're worthless. Well, that's kind of this guy. And and I used to think, and, and I read the commentary this way, I said, well, how about that? Now, you know, you think he was tending the sheep, and we do know he was heroic in that because he later says to Saul, you know, a bear attacked, and a lion attack, and I took care of them. But guess who got the sheep herding duties? The runt. It's kind of like anybody can do it, so we'll let the runt do it. So we have a guy who, who is considered worthless in the family, the lowest in the family, because of age, but also because of everything else. And he's assigned the lowest of the jobs. That's David. Is that you? Ever feel that you're the runt, that you're the smallest, that you don't deserve and and couldn't do? After all, why would God choose you? Samuel says we won't sit down and eat until he gets here. So, So Jesse sent for him. And I like this. I want you to write this down. He had... Now this is the Holman Christian Standard Version. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. Write this down. That was totally irreverent. That totally did not matter. Someone say amen. Because see, someone here today is saying, I don't have that gift, I don't have that talent. I couldn't, I can't. Those things are totally not a part of this plan. Because it's all about what God is going to do, not what David can do. And your life... It's not what you can do. It's what God can do in and through you that matters. So he was handsome. He had great eyes. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him and the prince of his brothers. And here you go. And the spirit of the Lord took control of David from that day forward. See, it was no accident that, that Donnie sang our song today. Because when others see a shepherd boy, God might see a king. And some of you today are being bound by what you do for God, by what others have said about you or what you say about yourself. It does not matter what people say about you. It does not matter even what you say about yourself. It matters what God says. And frankly, some of your service really may be in the nursery, changing somebody else's kids' diapers. But i said it before, and I'll say it again and again and again. The person who is faithful, serving in the nursery, changing somebody else's diapers, if that's what God's called that person to do, the reward is her or his. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's true. It's true. Just because I get the microphone every week and get to wear a tie, that not mean I mean for special reward. Because the guy can play the guitar and sing well, Because somebody has a gift for keyboards or the drums? Or someone has the ability to work with you? No, no, no. You don't understand. It's not about the ability to talk or to play or to guide. It's what God can do in and through your life. And when you start believing that, you're going to see a change in your life. You know, you may be fortunate enough to grow up and be a Morgan, a Vanderbilt, a Ford, or a Rockefeller. But remember, that's temporal. But when you allow God to look into your life and you start believing what God sees and says about you and you start making that the priority of your life, hang on because it's going to get good. It's going to get good. I I like this. I want to bring in New Testament. I want to bring in Ephesians chapter 5. Listen to these words. Pay careful attention then to how you walk. You You know this part. Not as unwise people but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. The days are dangerous. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled with the Spirit. We could unpack that all day. We need in these days, young, young parents, oh, you need to walk wise today. You need God's wisdom Today, to be the parent you need to be. Husbands and wives, we need God's wisdom as we navigate through these crazy societies that we're in. Where divorce and adultery are everyday words and no one condemns anybody. But God's word still says it's wrong. Be filled. Be controlled. Just like alcohol takes control of a person. Allow God's spirit To take control of you. And and I think that's part of what. Even back in the Old Testament. Where it says the spirit of the Lord took control of David that day. Part of of who David became. Was not natural talent. It was his surrender. To the will. And the power of God in his life. May I say this. David was the warrior he was. David was the giant killer he was. David was the king he was. Not because of David but because of God. Does that make any sense? Now, now why is it... Okay, Dwayne, in a world that says all that matters is I die, I get to 55, I can retire and go to Florida and live in a camper. If, in a world that says that's what really matters, what does what you're saying matter? Because what I said first doesn't matter and this does. Nothing wrong with going to Florida and living in a camper. But honey, if that's what you're living for, you've got low standards. You've got low standards. God wants you so much more for you. Never, 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 never settle for second best. And whatever the world is offering you is second best. God wants you to have so much more than that. And He empowers you. Be filled. Be controlled. Be guided by the Holy Spirit. That was David's secret. Now... I don't have time to, to read all of this, but I do want to read part of it. Remember D.L. Moody? He, he, got, he got a pretty good reputation in Chicago for being a, a godly man. Um, he got a reputation. Uh, he loved children. He started one of the largest Sunday schools in Chicago. But let me read a part of you that you may have heard. It's really good. It was during this first visit to Brit- uh, Britain that Moody heard the words which set him hungry and thirsting after a deeper Christian experience, and which marked a new era in his life. The words were spoken to him by Henry Varley, the well-known evangelist, as they sat together on a seat in a public park in Dublin. The words were these. The world has yet to see what God will do with, and for, and through, and in, and by the man who is fully consecrated to him. Moody thinks and says. He said a man. Thought Moody. He did not say a great man. He did not say a learned man. He did not say a smart man. But simply a man. I am a man. And it lies with the man himself. It lies with the man himself. Whether he will or will not make that entire and full consecration. I will try my utmost. To be. That man. Most standards, Moody would have never been the man he was in the kingdom of God. But he reached a point in his life where he said, I want to be the man that will totally and completely sell out to God. And because of that, D.L. Moody's name is written in the edges of history of a man after God's own heart. And that's where David was. We want to skip forward now to Acts chapter 13 and close the message with this. Luke is writing. And when he had removed him, Saul, he raised up for them king, David as king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And from this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel A savior named Jesus. How about that? A man after God's own heart. That's what God wants. A surrender. I I told David, I I like to batter around with David some in the office. I need to tell you that something happened and it really just fired me up about sexual purity. About... Marriage being for a lifetime and about people being sexually pure. I need to warn you, there's a series coming in January, February that I'm asking God to just fill my heart with the truth so I can share it with you heading toward Valentine's Day next year if God allows that all um, to happen. So we were talking about, I said, I said, whatever happened to true love waits, you know, about sexual purity and whatever happened to marriage. And David said something like this. This is not a direct quote. But said, Dwayne, he said, it's really not about sexual purity. It's not really about a commitment to marriage. It's about surrender to Jesus Christ. And he's right on. We, We have so many areas in our life, we just don't want to surrender. If I'm angry at someone, I reserve the right to remain angry. If I have a lustful, loveful passion, I deserve the right to exercise that lust. And as we surrender you can you can you can try to manage that good luck whoops <laughs> 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 well that face made it fit <laughs> or we can say God I surrender I surrender because you know it's really something I, I wrote this this morning grace doesn't require perfection but when experienced, And understood, it leads to love and devotion. Let me read that to you again. Grace doesn't require perfection, but when experienced and understood, it leads to love and devotion. Because you know what I know, don't you? David got lazy one day, didn't go to war. He saw a woman taking a bath. Knowing it was wrong, he comes and sleeps with her. And that becomes the story of David and David and she. He wasn't perfect. In fact, when confronted with the sin, he said, I have sinned. He wrote Psalm 51, the greatest passionate example of repentance. God's not looking at you today and saying, James, you've got to be perfect. James, you've got to keep all the rules. But he is saying, I want your heart. I want you to have my heart. I I, I want you to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I believe you're sovereign, and I'm going to trust you with this thing called parenting. I'm going to trust you with this thing called life. I'm going to trust you with this thing called career. I'm going to trust you with this thing called marriage. I'm going to trust you with that. And going back to what I said about David's statement, I'm going to surrender that. I said something in Sunday school, my last thought, I'm not rambling, my last thought is this. I told a story, and I may have told this on Wednesday night, I, I get confused sometimes why I say and don't say. But we were cutting boards, and I really, y'all know probably, was on Facebook, a guy from like 25 years ago in my past, G wrote something about me having a power tool, and they said from Facebook, Dwayne using a power tool? We kind of have a rule that I don't use power tools. Um, I'm just kind of dangerous with them. So the other day, I get out the two dangerous tools in the world, a table saw and a circular saw. Those are finger getters, man. So I'm, I've got a 16-foot-long board, and the plan was, was to whack these boards. Pooter's holding the board, and I'm trying to whack them. And so we're whacking. And I, I, yeah, you get sloppy. You do it so much. It's kind of like when you drive. Well, I brought my hand across. Now listen, I don't know how close it was, but I felt the wind. And I instantly said, thank you, God for watching over me. Thank you for watching over my sloppiness. There are so many things I haven't gotten in life. But I guess because I'm such a slow learner. Maybe because um, I'm really an imperfect pastor. I don't mind telling you that. I I don't mind telling you. There's something I'm, I'm getting a hold of. I'm starting to learn To see God in ordinary events. I honestly believe. God protected my hand that day. I too. I honestly believe that my God. watched out and kept my hand from that blade. My point is this. When we start seeing God in ordinary events. His sovereignty. The reality of who he is. The joy of who he is. Becomes more and more evident. I know. Too often in my life. And too often in your life. God's just something we kind of do. And reduce it to what we do on Sundays. Or Sunday nights. Or Wednesday night. Or our prayer we whisper at morning or night. But in his sovereignty. God wants so much. He really wants you to see the majesty. Of who, the majesty. Who he is. Every day, every time your child comes home safely from school, he wants you to go, that was me. Every time you just miss an accident, he goes, that's me. Every time it seems like your marriage is about to go under and your husband finally gets hold of the sentence and goes, I'm sorry, I'm so stupid. God wants you to go, that was me. That's the relationship he wants. In his sovereignty. Not not just the monster huge things, and we go, wow, isn't God great? But just in the day-to-day life. I think that's kind of what it meant to have a man after God's own heart. He he somehow knew that God was just intimately involved in all the aspects. So what's your family tree like? Or what's your branch like? I said this last week, and I bet you're going to hear a lot more. You, do you walk around with a scarlet letter? Do you walk around with a sense of God never could because I did this thing? Well, you need to put it under blood, and I'm assuming you've done that. But, but do you understand that His grace is sufficient? Do you understand that you don't have to be the tallest and the best looking and all of that for God to use you? Do you understand that when others see a shepherd boy, God might just see a king? Do you understand that when the phone rings or the knock comes at the door and it's the dreaded nominating committee and someone says, Your name came to our mind about teaching or doing. And you go, I can never do that. I've not done that before. I don't have... Do you understand that with God you could? Isn't that incredible? God loves us very much. And more than we could ever understand our dream. He wants to bring us into this cognizant relationship where we're aware of him every single day. Maybe the reason why David kind of did that was he had all that time to think on shepherd's heels. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Would you bow your heads right there? How about it, guys? How about it today, where you are? Now, if you're here today and... You might be like, like Ruth was if you caught that, a person totally out the family. You may be like Abraham, totally a pagan. And you go, I don't have a relationship with God. Well, my friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And I'm telling you, God would love to have a relationship with you. That's why he allowed his son Jesus to die on this, a cross like this cross over here. He paid the price for our sins. He manifested God's amazing grace in the atonement for our sins. And every person here in this room there's a couple of things I can tell you every person in this room has sinned and a chunk of the people in this room have experienced grace and we would love to tell you about that grace is something that God does for us even though we don't deserve it we can't earn the favor of God and we would love to tell you about how you can come in a relationship with Him through what Jesus Christ did how's your family tree? pretty gnarly? Why don't you finally cut that tree down? Why don't you finally understand that God is not concerned about your lineage in a sense of condemning failure, and able to use you? If you've got a knot on that tree that you're part of the gnarliness and you're a follower today of Jesus Christ, any time you put that down, put in the past. And every one of us today, a take home. Will you give your heart to Jesus? Will you surrender it to Jesus? Will you become a Christ follower, a person after God's own heart? God, thank you so much for this truth today. Father, you certainly love people. For God so loved the world you love the world so much you gave your son that whosoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. And part of that everlasting life is, is fulfilling the purpose and discovering the intense joy of being a person after your own heart. Thank you for guys like D.L. Moody whose lineage we can look back and see how he surrendered and said yes. So I'm asking you simply this whether it's a person with the need of salvation whether it's a person who's wrestling with their lineage or their branch on that tree that's pretty gnarly pretty naughty and crooked I'm asking you God that to help us understand your sovereignty that you can use us that you can use us and God I'm afraid I'm pretty bold now You know the areas that are not surrendered in our lives you know the areas we're holding back on and it's keeping us from experiencing a real joy as you live out your plan in our lives I'm going to be bold and ask through the Holy Spirit that you address these issues in our lives and help us help us to repent and turn from them and Jesus I pray this In your precious name. Amen.